Well, hello there, and welcome to episode three of season eight of the Simplify and Multiply show. And today I brought back Sean Rosenstiel. Yes, Sean was in uh, season seven when we talked about writing and promoting your book that builds authority. And he is the author of The School of Intentional Living. We had such a good time on that episode that I said, Sean, got to have you back. So Sean is back with me today, and we're going to be focusing on getting the help that you need and being prepared with a plan that's going to make whoever you bring on to your business successful. So let's go ahead and chat with Sean. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Welcome back, Sean. You're my first guest of the 2021 season, season eight on delegating admin and getting virtual help. And you are going to start us off with some amazing stories and lessons learned. So how are you today? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I appreciate you having me back again. Given that this season is all about delegating admin and getting virtual help for solopreneurs, you have some wonderful stories and lessons learned that I want you to get right into. So tell me how it was years ago when you did your first quote unquote getting help effort. How did that go? And what yeah, happened? I think this is such an important topic for solopreneurs. This is such an important one. So I appreciate you doing this season and I can't wait to, to dive into your future episodes. So my first hire was probably eight or nine years now uh, ago, I would say. And, and what work were you doing back I then? I had an agency. So web marketing okay. agency, we did web design and, and Facebook ads gotcha. and all the all that terrible stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing, my wife and I were running this agency and we were growing. And we knew, we both knew that there were a lot of things on my plate that I was doing and I shouldn't have been doing them. I'm a big fan of, of the book Traction and... Uh, EOS, which stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And we ended up adopting that. And one of the tools I'll never forget is called Delegate and Elevate. And it's a very simple four quadrant tool. And there are other versions of this tool out there, but essentially in one quadrant, you have the work you love to do and the work that you're also great at. In the next quadrant, you have work that you like to do and that you're good at. And then in the lower quadrants, you have work that you don't like to do and you're not very good at, and of course, work you hate and are terrible at, right? Yeah, it's a modified Eisenhower <laughs> exactly, matrix. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I went through that. It's like, do I really have to do that? You know, but I went through that and I, and I recognized that I was doing even more than I thought. Um, I was doing a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing, probably 70% of my week. Did you have your wife do it as well since she was in the yes, business with you? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And we're complete, like I'm more of a visionary. She's more of an integrator. So she was doing some things that she shouldn't have been doing, but she was way more mm -hmm. in her sweet spot, in her unique ability, so to speak, 
than I was. I mean, I was like 70%. I was in the lower quadrants and I knew it was too much. So I found all the tasks and activities that, oh, this is great. I can delegate, you know, all these things. And it sounded so exciting. Well, we made a hire without documenting processes, without Mm. putting any sort of training uh, manual in place. And so you just threw a human at it. Yeah. I, like I just, Terry, I, I, we hired this person and I just assumed that she would know what to do. <laughs> you know? sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, she had a good resume and she's highly qualified. She's a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic human being. And, but my stress level shot through the roof now because I was still trying to do all those things. You know, I, I had a hard time letting go like so many of us solopreneurs do. So I have a little oh, bit of a control yeah. problem, number one. Number two, yep. now I have payroll. So now I had the added expense and stress of, wow, you know, we have payroll now. I still have the workload. I still have the demands. I still have the pressure. And now I have someone looking at me like a puppy dog in the same office. You know, back then we weren't as virtual as we are now, but this person's looking at me like, what would you like me to do today? <laughs> and so, of course, I went through the whole like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is terrible. We shouldn't have done this. And then I finally took ownership of it. I'm like, I screwed, screwed up. You know, I hired before I was truly ready to hire. And I think that's when it comes to hiring. One of the most important lessons I've learned is don't make the hire. I, I would say don't even start the process, the recruiting process, if you're not truly ready and I think 50% right. of it, Terry, is documenting the activities that you want to delegate. And, but not mm-hmm. only just documenting them, but maybe even giving yourself the advantage of putting them into a training technology. Like there's Trainual and there's Playbook Builder. I mean, there's all sorts of online learning management systems now, right? Or maybe just a private area mm-hmm. on your own you know, website. Right. But if you can get, that's like 50% down the field. Uh, in my view. And then the next 50% is the recruiting, the interviewing, you know, the whole hiring process. Right. Right. Uh, but it's really exciting because once I learned that valuable lesson, like our next few hires were way easier and I felt really great about them. Like, wow, we're going to get such a great return on this investment because they're ready to plug and play. Like the moment they come in, they have everything they need to get going and there'll be a few weeks of training, but we don't have to sit down and, right. you know, maybe 10, 20% of it, sure, obviously you have to, you know, face-to-face train or virtually train or whatever it is, spend some time. But like 80% of that can be, you know, outsourced to a technology once you document those processes or workflows. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's not just the the process and step one, step two, that kind of thing, like doing the job. But it's also getting familiar with your culture, your mini culture, and where things are. Where are things on Google Drive? Where are things on the hard drive? Where are things on the server? Uh, Sometimes we take for granted that they're just going to be able to find stuff, but we have to help them. Just because we know doesn't mean that they're going to know. So, yeah. Well, that's part of the procrastination for, for me, too, is like, oh, I'm not ready. You know, it's like my ducks aren't in a row because most of us, you know, it's like, Let's look into your Dropbox or let's look into your Google Drive. It's like, holy hell, how do you find yeah, anything? Like like, I, know where, I know exactly where to find it. It's 18 clicks in and there's the file. <laughs> you know? But part of it is that person, especially if it's admin related, that person yeah. can come in and help you with some of those things. 
So part of it's like, you know, it's like the doctor, you know, come on in and drop your shorts and let's see what's going on. You know, like when you hire someone, you're inviting them in to, you know, mm-hmm. your business in a very intimate way. <laughs> you know? you're, you're like, you know, you're showing them what you got. And sometimes what you got isn't so good. It's yeah, so it's exactly. Exactly. So there's a little bit of a vulnerability oh, factor there. Oh, that's too funny. I mean, the analogy is great. It's like, it is, it's like having company over to your house and your house is a mess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what though. Oh, sorry about that pizza box on yeah. the table. I spent many years, uh, probably six, seven years implementing what I mentioned, EOS into these small and mid-sized businesses. And I've never walked into a business of any size that was like super tidy, cleaned up, all on the same page, yeah, ready course. to rock and roll. Uh, businesses mm-hmm. are like households, you know, and most times they're not clean. So it's okay. It doesn't need to be perfect, you know, but I do think it's really important that you get your process and your training ducks in a row, because if you yeah. don't have those ready and you do make the hire like I did, you're just compounding the stress because now you have additional expenses and now you have someone waiting on it's bad enough when a client's waiting on you for a reply Mm -hmm. but when the when the meter's running and someone's waiting on you that's a whole Mm -hmm. different can of yeah that's a pain that's that's painful you know it's interesting because i have a client um in chicago and he's he's in the financial world and he before he started working with me he had hired um some subcontractors to help him with some email stuff, some web stuff, you know, the typical uh, subcontractor roles. And he was always frustrated with working with them because, and he knew, he realized, kind of like you did, that he didn't have processes, he didn't have things identified in a way for them to be successful. Plus, he didn't have a business strategy. And so once we started working together, he could see, oh, here's the journey, here's how we got to do it. And now he knows not only who he needs to help him, but he has things much better organized. And so now he knows what to give them in order to get make them mm. successful. And it's a lot less than he was using before because he's much better organized now that we got him sorted out. But perfect example, it's classic, classic well, stuff. Well, and you bring up a good point, Terry, and this is something that is so critical and it wasn't on my radar coming into this discussion, but it's so important to have a vision and especially like my wife and I work together, like if, if you have, you know, if there's more than one leader or manager at the top, uh, if you have a partner, co-founder, whatever it is, like for you guys to be on the same page is so important, obviously. But mm-hmm. when we made that hire eight or nine years ago, our first ever admin, we didn't have a long-term vision and we didn't have like a roadmap to get there. And my wife and I at that point in time weren't necessarily always on the same page. So what unfortunately happened, and luckily the hire we made had the stomach for this. I give her so much credit, most people don't. But every other week was a different angle. Every other week we were running in a new direction. Every other week we were chasing a new idea. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so that's another struggle, isn't it? When you hire someone, it's really nice to be able to explain. You know, a few minutes ago you brought up values. I think you did, right? Or called, you said if culture. I I you said culture. Culture, but yes. it's so important to <laughs> have a good understanding of your, your values and the culture you're looking to develop mm-hmm. and the vision you're looking mm-hmm. to make a reality someday because nobody likes to get hired into this very uncertain environment where every other week you're chasing a different rabbit. 
And you know what's what's really cool, Sean, is like this, you know, preparing your business and preparing yourself to bring on some help, whether it's a full-time employee or whether it's a subcontractor, 1099. It, it's all, it's a very good, ex, it's a healthy exercise for your business because it forces you to step back and look at everything objectively and, and like you say, get your ducks in order, but create the strategy, get solidified in your vision and and not be so squirrely, That's right. you know, running off in all these directions. So I, I really see how valuable it, it's that a great be. point. There's it's your a value. great point. <laughs> and, and if you're looking like with our agency, we weren't looking to sell it, like selling it wasn't our end game. But we did, in the last 10 years, build, grow, and sell three other businesses. And I love what you just said. It's so important, if nothing else, just to get your business in order, especially if you're mm -hmm. looking to one day sell it. Like the sooner you clean it up and the sooner you get clear and get organized, sure, you can hire much easier that way. But also, it just it makes the valuation that much better because it's like, oh, You've had years and years and years of a good track record here, not only with profitability, but with process, with training, with all the other nuts and bolts within the business that make it scalable and make it uh, sellable, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the operational side right. of it. Yeah, and for definitely. me, it's always been peace of mind, like even over profits for me at this point is like, will this, oh, yeah, will this <laughs> give me predictability and peace of mind? Or not like I'm not after I'm not interested in chasing profits if it doesn't bring peace of mind. My peace of mind is too important. I value it too too highly at this stage in the game. Mm -hmm. So getting your ducks yeah. in a row with processes and they don't have to be like we as solopreneurs solopreneurs hear process work and we cringe. <laughs> you know, a little oh bit. my! That's when yeah. we escaped when we left. Yeah, corporate. but we're not talking like hundred-page SOP manuals here. You know, we're talking like one-page document. The twenty percent of that activity that moves eighty percent of the needle. You know, so for for me and, and why I'm excited to be here is because it's forced me to get some ducks in the row. We're we're about to make a more of a virtual hire this time. But it's nice for me, like if I think about your business, you look at the areas of your business and like one might be sales and marketing, for, for example. One might be operations. One might be finance, right? For us, like we're looking to hire a VA for some of the sales and marketing activities in our business. One of which has to be, uh, happens to be like podcasting. Not doing right. podcasts, but getting guest opportunities on podcasts. So I published a book, as you know, and that just seems to be a nice sort of this constant channel of awareness, right? Is to get a few guest opportunities every week. Well, there's a lot of effort that goes into that. Right. So we're looking to hire someone to go out and be active on within the Facebook groups of you know people looking for guests, uh, be active on some of these websites of, of podcast hosts that are looking for guests actively mm -hmm. um, scheduling all that good stuff, communicating back and forth, delivering copies of the book. If a host wants it, there's a lot of effort involved and it's not effort that, that I should be doing. My job is to show up on these podcasts, but if I'm, right. you're, you're the star, <laughs> you're the celebrity. My wife's the real celebrity. She's the backbone. I mean, without her, nothing, nothing works, Aww. but so I appreciate Aww. you saying that, but it's, but it's not true. <laughs> but if I'm, by the way, listener, uh, Sean is. Back, so. <laughs> you always make me blush, Terry. Every time we connect, <laughs> when you talk about your wife, you ah, do. It's so thanks, sweet. Thanks. 
So it's easy for me to, well, this needs to be done and, and, and I'm busy, so I feel productive and it's easy for me to get into these conversations. I actually enjoy it. I actually enjoy right. these conversations and connecting and making these little posts and these groups and Facebook and all this stuff. But if I really want to take ownership and responsibility in my business and really play within my sweet spot, should I be spending 50, 60, 70% of my week doing some of that busy work? Mm. I don't love it. I do enjoy it. I like it, but I don't love it. And, and it's mm. not, you know, I'm not in like that flow state. You know what I mean? Like I'm looking at the time. Yeah, and it isn't the best use of your <laughs> right. time, like you were saying. Right, but, but yeah, other people really that you isn't. can hire do, you know, that's where they operate. That's their unique mm -hmm. ability. They lose track of time when they're doing those things. So you got to find those types of people. And I'm excited because we've got all that now, you know, all that process document. It's really simple. And it's not like 50 pages, Terry. It's like one to three pages where you outline the major steps and maybe a few bullet points. What you don't want to do is create a process where it's like there's a hundred checkboxes that people need to you right. know, go through over and over and it gets boring. You just want to provide yeah. some guide rails. Like when I make a hire, I look at that hire like the river and my job is to provide the banks of that river and like the specifics mm -hmm. on how they're going to get the outcome, that's up to them. I don't want to micromanage. I want to let them do what whatever it is they're going to do. But I want to... Yeah, that's why you brought them on for, that's their, right. for their genius. That's right. But yeah. you want to give them some guide rails. So I look at the processes, the 20% that's going to move 80% of the needle. And then you got to give them targets to I like hit. That. You know, so that they know, okay, the goal is to, you know, get Sean booked on three podcasts a week on average. You know, that's the target. So you give them a number. And those are measurable things that you can, you know, those are uh, quotas, yep. so to speak, that yep. you can easily measure mm -hmm. over time. And that's just like one activity in sales and marketing for me is the podcast initiative. There's plenty more. So you got to identify, you know, what are some of the big things within each area of the business that, you know, need to happen continually? And then what parts of those things shouldn't I be doing? Right. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. Are you feeling so burdened with busy work that you're not getting the important stuff done in your business? Well, as we're uncovering in this season, you don't have to do everything. As a coach once said to me, the thing must be done, but it doesn't have to be done by you. The great thing about making decisions about how you run your business is that you can choose what to do yourself and what to automate, outsource, or eliminate. But if you're not sure where to start, let's talk it through together. Book a call with me at pappychat.com and I will help you clarify a plan on how you can get the help you need. That's P-A-P-P-Y-C-H-A-T.com. Let's get you focused on what gives you joy through expressing your 1000% and offload the stuff you don't want to do so you can make more runway for your business to grow. And the ones that also lead to the biggest return for you in your business um, that you can offload to someone. Because when you outsource something that's going to lead to, you know, consult calls or engagements or purchases, that's when that ROI is much more easy to justify and, and sustain over time. That's right. If you know that there's a, it could be an indirect line, but a direct line to dollars in the bank on your P&L statement. That's right. So one of the things, now, have you hired this VA no. yet? The one that you're just talking no. about? Okay. So what is the, just give me the early steps of the process of you like, okay, you, you documented, you got, you got all your ducks in a row from the standpoint of processes and your 20% getting the 80%. Um, 
What are some of the things, and we'll just wrap up with this, what are some of the things you're doing to actually start the search? Now that you're clear about who this person needs to be, what they're going to be doing, and given that you're doing more of a VA, a virtual assistant approach with this, which I'm assuming would not be a, f- a full-time workload hour-wise, like not a 40-hour work week. It would be truncated. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things you're doing to find a resource to help get that started? Like, what are you doing? Are you using Indeed? Are you using a freelancer company like FreeUp or Upwork? Yeah, so step one is always tap my network. Um, I'm a big fan of who you know. I mean, I've been given opportunities through my relationships my whole life. I'm a big fan of connection and, and, you know, who you know, not what you know, so to speak. So I always go out first to LinkedIn and I go out first to my email list, uh, especially my close list, friends, family, um, coaching clients, things of that nature. So I, I will first do some outreach, some warm outreach to see if anyone I know has someone who might, you know, fit the mold, so to speak. I would say that at least 50%, if not higher, uh, that works. You know, over half the time, usually I'll find somebody. If that doesn't work, then yes, I will go to all the usual suspects between career, uh, what is it, Um, monster.com, career builder, indeed. There's a lot of, I think this has been a trend for a while, but hiring uh, people, like offshoring this, and back in the days right. when we had a web agency, we had six full-time developers out of India that were on mm-hmm. staff virtually. Um, I don't think for this I'm looking for that, but certainly there's you know, situations where hiring someone from the Philippines, for example, or from India might, might work really well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I most likely need to hire someone who is, uh, you know, English is their first language, and, and they're most likely from the States on this one. But I could certainly see the benefits of, you know. Which is going to be a premium. But if it's depending on what they have their hands on, it's going to be worth it. You're right, going to need it. Right. Yep. Yep. So so that's what we're going to do. I'm hoping I can, you know, find and identify this person in my uh, sphere. But if not, I'll most mm-hmm. likely go to the usual suspects. And then as far as the interviewing process is concerned, I always lead with values. So I'm always sharing our core values with potential hires. And then after I share each one and give a little context and maybe even a story about someone who Mm. worked with us, whether it was an employee or a a client, um, exhibited this value, I'll kind of sit back and say, can you provide me an an example of a time when you exhibited this value? So I like to hear from them uh, because oftentimes I'll find people don't connect with a value very well that they could be like on paper, Mm -hmm. the perfect performance wise, they could be the perfect candidate. Like they've got all the skill sets, talents and abilities that we need. However, the value fit just isn't there. I I love, I'm a big believer in culture and value fit. So I always lead with that. I always lead the conversation, especially during that first interview with sharing our values and then asking them, Hey, can you tell me a time when, when you, you know, acted this way or when you behaved this way or when you exhibited that value in one way or another. And it's really neat to see what people come up with. And the people who will fit your culture like a glove, they'll just like light up. They'll just be like, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, last year or last month or last mm-hmm. week, 
I was just doing this and we over delivered or we were, you know, generous with this or, you know, whatever it was, we came from a place of abundance and we went above and beyond. And here's how we did that. Like they light up, which is a good indicator that, okay, they're a great value fit. Cause if they're not a good value fit, it's going to lead to issues in the long run. They're going to, you know, if you're a bigger company, they might kill your culture long term, or they might chip away at it over time, even though they're performing really well. Um, and, And for me to have the peace of mind that I desire, that person that I hire, if I'm going to be in communication with them weekly, sometimes daily, it needs to be someone I enjoy collaborating with and vice versa. You know, I don't want someone coming in who's like, this guy's, you know, he's a nut. Um, so it needs to be someone who's compatible with my values so that, you know, moving forward, because you can teach skill if they right. don't know Excel, like just go to YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that as you're talking about that, I'm like, wow, that's a really like smart way to start an interview because you're right. If they're, if their values are not in alignment or in the same universe, <laughs> I mean, not everybody's going to be pegged for peg. Right. But um, you want to respect their, obviously they've got all their conditioning and their, their beliefs and uh, that they're bringing along with them. But when you get that alignment, it's, it's like the large part of the battle. So obviously if you're going to be, asking those types of questions in an interview, you have to know what your values are. So you've got to go through that. That's just one more preparation thing that you need to be super clear on that this is how you roll. This is what you like to foster. This is what you won't tolerate. And all of those things need to be clarified. So that way you can measure when they're giving you those answers. Exactly. So it's a good incentive <laughs> to get clear or at least clearer on your values because I think as solopreneurs, mm-hmm. we're like, hey, we're solopreneurs. We don't have a team. We, we don't have to do this value thing. But I think that's a mistake because, you know, have you ever worked with a client who is a real nightmare, right? I think we all have. No, no that's never, never happened. happened. Me, but, but values can be used towards onboarding and prospecting. At yeah. the same time, you know, yeah. y- your employees are your internal customers. So chances mm-hmm. are, if you ever met a client who puts you through the ringer, they most likely weren't a good value fit. And when you don't know what your values are, you have no radar when it comes to prospecting. So you might be taking on a lot of clients who had you had clarity on your values within the first five seconds, you can sniff out a problem. So it's a good incentive to identify and get clear on your values because A, you can then prospect uh, way more accurately, but also when it is time to make a hire, you have that in your back pocket. And I think you have to put yourself in the shoes of that potential hire. Nobody wants to get hired in to a a chaotic mess. I mean, just like you wouldn't want to serve a client whose world is a complete Mm -hmm. disaster, nine times out of 10, you probably wouldn't want to do that. Like that client, at least like eight people just popped into my head. But that client, you want that client to have an idea. You want that client to have a vision. You want that client to have a little certainty at least, right? So that you have the confidence to go in there and help him or her out. Well, that, that future Mm -hmm. employee, that potential hire is thinking the same thing. So when you can get into that interview and share your vision with them in a real simple and clear way, and you can share and demonstrate some of the values that your culture, you know, has within it. You're giving them confidence because you're giving them a little bit of certainty like, oh, wow, this would be a good place to work because they know what they want. 
there's nothing worse than working with someone, whether whether you're serving a client as a solopreneur or making a, you know, uh, or working for someone else as an employee. There's nothing worse than going into an environment where the person you're working for doesn't actually know what they want, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm just like, my mind is just going <laughs> right now. So let's, let's, I'm going to put you on the spot here, okay? And maybe this will help you. Maybe a listener will be like, oh, I know somebody who aligns with that. So I want you to share your values. Share my values. What are your values in your business Ooh, today? Okay. So my first one is help first because I am just, I, I love serving. And uh, I, I feel like it's the most meaningful type of purpose we can find in life is when we're in service to others. So our number one value is help first. Sometimes it gets us into trouble because we can overserve. I know you are familiar with that, but I'm bit. such a big fan of of I, I'm such a big fan of companies who over deliver and who really go the extra mile to help out. Right, just like this above and beyond mindset. So help mm -hmm. first is, is number one. Uh, number two is do the right thing. And that's a very like, oh, permission to play. We can all, you know, all of us should have integrity. But we sell away very often. And, and, and like I recognize when it's not the right time for someone to come on board. And I'm always upfront mm -hmm. about that. I would much rather have them circle back or have me circle back in six months when it is the right time. But sometimes you're on a prospecting mm -hmm. call and you're like, hey, before you make this decision or invest in this, you may want to consider doing these things first. And then let's revisit. People love that. And people really appreciate that. I know I do. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big. Yeah. But you're basing it in integrity and you're honoring their journey when they may be just so clouded in what they need to do that they're doing some knee-jerk decision-making. So you're you're doing them a service right, for sure. Right, and, and for us, like, I, I do feel that we hold a, a higher standard of, of integrity. So that do the right thing is, is very near and dear to me because I've been in many situations where I've been sold something at a time that was the wrong time, but I couldn't see it, right? or I've been taken advantage mm -hmm. of or whatever it was. So that, that's a big one for me. Yeah, we've, we've all, all been, been there, there. unfortunately. Uh, another yeah. one is radical empathy. Um, I, mm, I yeah, love that one. For, for, I may have to borrow that one as my yeah, number one. Yeah, and, and I've been told that like <laughs> that's something that I didn't discover on my own. It was something that I've been told and that fits that's right cool. in with do the right thing. It's like, you know, I... Mm. I sense a theme here in your yeah, values. I have this ability to put myself in the other person's shoes. And I think people really appreciate that and, and respect that. And I've always said for as long as I can remember that, like empathy, if there was more of it in the world, just blanket statement, mm. a lot of the world's mm -hmm. problems would be resolved if we all had a little more empathy yeah. for one another, yeah. right? Um, so radical empathy is, is huge. And I'm going to stop there. We had four values. And, and we have three. And if I can get it down to one, I will. <laughs> so we're going to stop there because the fourth one uh, didn't make it through the last cut, which we did. Didn't, didn't make, make the, the cut. cut, which we did about a year ago. Well, I, I love that. And those three are just, they're awesome. I mean, I love every one of them and I may take a couple or all. Or, one, one of the best, uh, <laughs> feel free. One of the best, th by the way, you have to back, back them with stories. You know what I mean? Like you, you yes. have to be able to oh, yeah, talk very um, passionately about those and back them mm -hmm. with stories of 
Because they're they're subjective and they're very broad in many ways. So you need to give some context through the story, which is why I love right, storytelling. Right. So one of the reasons why it's important not to have 12 core values, but like closer to three, like less is more with values. Mm-hmm. Here, Here's what mm-hmm. I've learned is uh, Dr. Thomas uh, Gordon. Uh, I think it was a book and it could have been a seminar he put on, but it was parent effectiveness training. And mm-hmm. I look at running my business like I look at running my household. I don't see any differences. You have partners at the top or leadership management at the top. You have people, you can't fire your kids, but you have people, you have a culture, you have... (laughs) But you can put your kids to work, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You have values that you're looking to instill. You have a budget, you have income, you have expenses, you have a vision, you're looking to hopefully create a compelling future. Like I don't see, it's an organism. I don't see any difference between a business and a household. And mm-hmm. there was this parent of effectiveness training, and he said, and this was you know, related to kids, but it's no different than related to your, your hires and your people. He said, mm-hmm. here's all you have to do to be a good parent. You have to uh, create a handful of rules. You have to repeat yourself often, and then you have to be consistent, meaning you have to live out. You have to play by the rules. You have to role model the way. So you can't like say, What's the old saying like, do as I say, not as I do. That doesn't work with parenting and it doesn't work with leading a company. So I, I love that because it's like create a handful of rules. Those are your core values. If you have 12 of them, it's very hard for people to follow and remember those 12 things. It's too much. So how can you consolidate that down to what's absolutely core and at the center of your company, right? So create a handful of rules. That's why my suggestion is like three, maybe four, but don't go seven, don't go 10. It's just too much. Right. And then be, uh, and then repeat yourselves often. So how often are you having those conversations, taking a hire out to, to lunch or to coffee or connecting on Zoom now, I suppose, and sharing with them why you're appreciative that they embodied some of these values. You have to reinforce those. Just like with parenting, you're reinforcing rules and you're hopefully encouraging, mm-hmm. you know, praise and and self-check and self-check, too, that's right. Sean. I mean, just self-check. Like, am I honoring my own values in these decisions? Am I honoring my own values in this conversation with the that's with right. client? That's right. That's yeah, right. And, and praise in public, criticize in private, right? So, so you have to be, uh, you have to repeat yourself often, and then be consistent. That's that self-check. Am I embodying, and am I the epitome of these three or four? core values. And if not, what can I do to make sure I am leading and managing well? I am truly role modeling the way so others can can emulate my behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a nice little bonus to, to tack on to the end of the show. And, and I greatly appreciate that. You always bring so many wonderful things to our conversations. Thank you. And- you are definitely going to become a regular fixture on this show for sure because I love I love our conversations and I greatly appreciate everything you're bringing to my audience and oh, to me. Thank you, Terry. And uh, I love our evolving uh, relationship and, and how we're both out there trying to help our clients and our audiences uh, do so much better. So thank you again for being here, Sean. You're, you're awesome. Thanks for the opportunity, Terry. Appreciate it as always. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. 
You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.